0: Thank you very much. Um, We're going to continue this morning in our study through the book of Jonah. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Jonah chapter 4. Jonah chapter 4. Last week, as we finished up in Jonah 3, we saw the call to repent. We saw the warning of God's judgment that came from Jonah to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah went in and he told the people, if you don't change directions in 40 days, there will be judgment. There will be absolute in total annihilation. God's wrath is coming. And as a result of Jonah sharing that message, God had tenderized the hearts of the people of Nineveh and everyone from the top of the top to the bottom of the bottom repented, put on sackcloth and ashes and spent days praying and asking God for forgiveness And took days of fasting and put everything that they had in focusing in on who God was and what he wanted for their lives. And so we see the people indeed do believe the message of God. In fact, in chapter 3, verse 10, the last thing you see in chapter 3, when God saw... What the people of Nineveh did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented from the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it to them. Uh, Glory to God. God loved these people enough to warn them and tell them, Listen, if you don't change direction, I'm going to absolutely annihilate the city. They heed that warning. God sees that they heed that warning. And as a result of that, he turns from presenting disaster on them and saves the city. The whole city is saved. Now, typically, now let's just take a poll in here. If there were people in this room this morning and we had... A church service, a normal, just a normal Sunday morning church service, and there were a couple of dozen people who came forward and said, Listen, we want to give our hearts to the Lord. We've been wicked. We've been evil. We've done horrible things. We want God to forgive us and to save us. Man, the reaction of this church would be, Oh, praise God, that's awesome. Praise the Lord, I'm so excited. Amen? Anybody in the room? So excited that God saved you. So excited that God has redeemed you. Yes, come in! Right? That's the typical response, right? That's how Christians should respond when God saves wicked people. Jonah has been the atypical Christian. He's not been the normal Christian, right? Let's look at chapter 4, verse 1. So God forgives the people of Nineveh. Oh boy. Verse 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He was angry that God saved people. Like I said, if this happened, most of us would be excited, right? Luke chapter 15 verse 7, Jesus says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need not to repent. So there's a party in heaven there is rejoicing in heaven when one person comes to the Lord Jesus Christ when one comes to repentance and saving faith the the entire place erupts with joy right so the normal response for a believer should be to rejoice over sinful people repenting and coming to faith in Christ. Well, that's not the case with Jonah. He's going for broke on not having the typical responses to anything in this story. Remember in chapter 4, I'm sorry, in chapter 4 verse 1, we see here, it displeases Jonah exceedingly. What displeased him? What was it that displeased him about God doing a work and saving these people? That's what he's mad about. That God was merciful to the people of Nineveh. He was angry that God redeemed and saved these people from disaster. He was angry that God saved and forgave the men and women of that great city. Not only was he angry that God was saving these people... He decided to pray to God and to tell God, listen, I'm angry. I'm, I am angry with you for saving these people. Look at verse 2. Jonah 4.2. Jonah prayed to the Lord and said, oh Lord, it is not, is this not what I said? When yet in my own country, this is why I made a hasty I uh, made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you were a gracious God and you were merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Oh my goodness. This, this brother, he has come unhinged. He reveals why he decided to run. He just exposes and says, listen, the reason I ran... The reason I got in the boat and ran from you God is because I didn't want you to save these filthy people. Like that's what Ned, that's what Jonah just said. He is not interested in God saving wicked people. That's like he ran from God's calling because he was concerned that God would actually save the people of Nineveh. And so Jonah didn't want anything to do with that. Like could you ima- like could you imagine a missionary going off on a mission trip? and I just know, God, I know I'm going to China, but I really don't want God to save the Chinese people. <laughs> really? He wanted, in fact, rather, he wanted God to kill. And destroy these people. Like that's what he was hoping for. We're going to see that in a minute. He's still hoping. He wants God to kill and destroy these people. And what happens in rooms like this, this morning, many of us will sit here and think to ourselves, I can't believe Jonah would would long for something like that. But before we get too high and mighty on our pedestals here in our church service, How many of us have had moments of rage in our own lives and if you could have the power of God for just two and a half minutes, you would have exacted that rage? Anybody? Let's go ahead and be honest because I have. Listen, some of you are ready to exact rage if you get in bad traffic. I've seen that. I've I've witnessed some of that. You know what my favorite is, is when people have road rage but they've got their church's bumper sticker on the back of their car. That's my favorite. That's my favorite. Like they're, just, like they're putting their fingers out the window. You know what finger I'm talking? And I'm just like, make sure not to visit that church. Right? Like that's, that's the mentality that we have. Because we're, listen, we could sit here and judge Jonah all day long. But man, we've done it. Jesus said, if you hate your brother, if you have rage against your brother, you're guilty of murder. Jonah is guilty of murder, not just of one person, but of 120,000 people. That's how many people lived in the city of Nineveh. So you might be sitting here, I can't believe that Jonah would say and act like that. Listen, at least he had the guts enough to say it out loud. Most of us don't have the guts to say it out loud. We just think it in our heads, right? Jonah had a moment where he genuinely was angry at a group of people for evil. Listen, if you do the history and the study of the people of Nineveh, they were bad people. Like they were wicked people. And Jonah didn't like wicked, these wicked people. He wanted them to receive justice. And maybe rightfully So maybe, maybe he had done something to harm someone that Jonah had loved. Wouldn't that be interesting because God does that all the time where he takes someone who was harmed or wounded by another people group and God takes that person from that to go preach the gospel to him. Elizabeth Elliot, her husband was Jim Elliot who was killed by the native people of the group where he went to go preach. They killed him. And what did his wife do? His wife goes down and shares the gospel with him anyways. How many wives are going to sign up for that one? Your husband gets killed by a group of of tribesmen who are pagans. What would your natural response be? Let them burn in hell. Right? Not so in Elizabeth Elliot's world. Elizabeth Elliot goes out and does her best to share the gospel and these people get saved. What? What? Nineveh, like, listen, we don't know, listen, we don't know what particular crimes or sins Nineveh had committed. But we do have a clue in Jonah chapter 3 verse 4 that they committed violence against other people. So inevitably, when you hear the word violence against other people, what comes to mind is I'm sure there was murder, rape, genuinely just hurting other people, beating someone up, doing something violent towards another person. So those are in the realm of possibilities. And because of these sins, Jonah was not happy that God was going to be merciful towards them. Like that's, Jonah wasn't happy that these people were going to get mercy. He thought in his mind, these people have murdered, raped, pillaged, hurt people. I want God to just waylay them. That's what I want. Right? Think about our own world. Think about what happens in our, just in our recent history. Osama bin Laden... Saddam Hussein, Adolf Hitler. They're just a few of the names of men who have committed horrible, heinous atrocities against people. What if God called one of us? Could you imagine if we could go backwards in time to... Berlin, Germany in 1940. And God said, Tyler, I want you to go and I want you to preach against the city of Berlin that God is about to waylay the people of Germany. What would our response be? As Americans, how would we feel? Say, Wait a second, God. Are you sure you want to do this? you sure you want to save The German people? Are are you sure about that, God? Have you seen how bad Hitler is? You sure you want me to go to Afghanistan? You seen how bad Osama bin Laden? Where were you on 9-11, Lord? Did you see that? Right? But this is the same mentality. These people, the city of Nineveh was a great city that absolutely pushed out evil and violence and wickedness. And God saw fit to save these people. That's the reason I'm praying for a Paul to pop up in the Islamic community. I'm asking the Lord to do a work and that there will be a Paul that comes out of Islam and we see revival in that place. That's what I long for. That's what I, I want to see. Because here's the bottom line. We like to judge everybody else's sins. As horrible, Especially those who are outside of our own camps. Like, oh, them dirty Muslims. Like, I've listened to some crazy redneck backwoods preachers talk that way in the pulpit. And I'm like, really? Because they're just as wicked as you are. The only difference between me and Osama bin Laden is that I've been forgiven for my sins by the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only difference between me and Osama bin Laden or Adolf Hitler. Same goes for you. So, we, we we'd think to ourselves, God, are you sure about this? I'd rather see you exact wrath on those people. This is the moment that Jonah had. He wanted to see the people that he deemed wicked get what they deserved. He wanted justice for Nineveh. He didn't want mercy. He wanted justice. And sadly, many Christians only call for justice for somebody else's sin. But when it comes to our sins, we long for, pray for, and beg for mercy. We ask God to prove God, will you please be merciful? God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me of my sins. God, give me mercy. Give me mercy, but. In Robert's life, God, I pray that you give him. I pray you give Robert justice. See how silly that is. That's but that's our mentality. We pray for mercy for us, but justice for everybody else's sin. Man, that oh, that we would change our direction. That that the major. I pray that the majority of Christians would long to genuinely see those we consider as enemies to come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ rather than looking for them to get what they deserve rather than getting even what if we prayed for God to give mercy God help us God help us Jonah continues in his prayer in verse 3 listen I mean this, this prayer is just interesting prayer this is not the prayer you'd want to hear at prayer meeting right Verse 3, therefore now, oh God, please just take my life from me. God, I'd rather you just kill me. If I don't get to see, this this is a toddler throwing a fit. If I don't get to see what I think needs to happen, God, just kill me. For it's better for me to die than to live. Really? God, I'd rather you kill me than let me see these people receive mercy. Like this is a rough, this is hard to read. What a prayer request. Like, could you imagine if somebody stood up, if PJ stood up in our, in our prayer meeting and said, God, I pray that you'd exact justice on Sudan, Kansas. I pray that you'd just wipe them out. I'm sorry, what? We'd all be going, whoa, PJ, brother, you, you sure about that? Oh, I just, kill those wicked people in Sudan. But Lord, have mercy on us in Cedar Vale. Right? And then when God showed mercy to Sedan, we sit in our prayer meeting. God, I just wish you'd kill me instead. You showed mercy to Sedan, are you serious? Just kill me, Lord. Just kill me instead. I don't want to have to see those dirty, rotten scoundrels. Right? And I love God's reply to Jonah, verse 4. Then the Lord replies to Jonah, "Is it right for you to be angry about this? In other words, really, Jonah, you're mad about this? You got what right do you have to be angry about this? Are you kidding me? That's you want to bring that into 2023." And then Jonah decides to, after that response, this is why I say, if God would just speak audibly to me, I'd be willing to obey him more. No, you wouldn't. You'd be just like Jonah, and you wouldn't get what you'd want, and you'd throw a baby fit. Look what he does. He stomps off like a toddler in hopes that God will actually indeed destroy the city. Verse 5 through 8, look at this. He goes out like a spectator sport here in a minute to watch to see if God just... Let's see if God destroys. Let's nuke him, baby. Let's go. Verse 5. Jonah went out into the city and sat on the east side of the city and made a booth for himself. And he sat under it in the shade until, until he should see in the hopes of him seeing what would happen to the city. Now the Lord God appoints a plant And made it come up over Jonah that it might shade him, put shade over his head, and save him from discomfort. He's just being saved from discomfort, not from life. Just just to save him from discomfort. So Jonah now, he's exceedingly glad. Because of what? The plant. He's not exceedingly glad because God planted it. He just looked, man, all right. You know what? Maybe God's gonna show this. All right, I'm getting a little seat. I got myself a little spectator sport. I'm gonna watch this city of 120,000. Let me get my seat ready. Oh, look at this. I'm enjoying my shade. All right, Lord, get him. That's his mentality. So even in jo- even in Jonah's fit throwing, look, the Lord's great. Like this is the thing that's crazy. Even in the midst of his fit throwing, God's gracious to him, and he shows patience with him. That's the way That's the reason I'm just in awe of who God is, because God is patient with us. Even when we're complete toddlers, he is patient with us. Anybody in the room, he's been patient with you when you've been a toddler? Anybody? Maybe this week? Okay, alright, I didn't know if I was the only one, PJ. Go all right, cool. We got we got a few in the back. All right, here we go. So Jonah goes to bed at the end of this because you'll see in a minute, he goes to bed happy because he's been he's comfortable. I'm comfortable. It's all about me, God. It's all about my comfort and my good my good position in life. I got shade, got myself a little booth, got myself a little drink. I don't know if he's got a drink or not or something. You know, whatever. He's just comfortable that God has shown him grace and mercy. He's thankful that he's comfortable and and got mercy. And he's hopeful that the bad guys, quote unquote, will get their just desserts. All right, God, give them what they deserve. Verse 7. But when the dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind that would beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. For this little moment, for this little moment that happens here, think about how Job responds when God gave and took away. When God gave him something. Jonah didn't do anything for that plant. He didn't plant it. He didn't work for it. He didn't do anything. God planted it, made it grow, shaded him. And then God takes it away the next morning. I think of Job chapter 1 verse 21. Job has a completely different mindset. Job says in Job 121, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a contrast, amen? You got two different beliefs. Listen, Jonah is a believer, so's Job. You've got two different contrasts here. You've got a believer who's selfish. You've got a believer who's humble. What a contrast. When God takes away Jonah's plant, not his house, not his kids, not his livestock, but a plant. Jonah says, and he asked that he might die. He's, man, he's back on this. Man, Talk about a drama queen. His brother is, a, oh God, just kill me. It's better for me to die than to live. This is the second time he said this in less than two verses. The epitome of selfish narcissistic behavior. God, you took away my plant. You took away my plant, God. Why don't you just kill me? Go ahead and just kill me, God. It's so hot. The wind, that stupid worm. <laughs> and God's response again to Jonah is classic. Verse 10. And the Lord said, You, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Jonah, wait a second. You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished the next night? You you pity the plant? Jonah, you're throwing a fit because of a plant? You did nothing to make that plant grow. You did not work to plant that tent. You didn't tend it. You didn't plant it. You didn't water it. It was there for one night, and the next night it's gone. And you're mad and sad and all kinds of upset because of a plant? You see, God's having a teachable moment with with Jonah here. Sometimes God does that for us, where we have to have a teachable moment where God says, listen, you're being a baby. When a culture of listen, because here's where we are. When a culture values plant life and animal life more than human life, that's when we start as a culture to embrace the mass murder of humanity. I'll never forget my dad standing in the pulpit in the late or early 90s. He said, if you don't value life in the beginning, there will come a day, and I believe it's coming soon, when you will not value life at the end either. If you're willing to kill at the beginning, you're going to be willing to kill in the end. And that's coming. That's start, even in Europe now, that's happening. Where they're taking their old and they're killing them. Because they're not profitable to the society. That's just a matter of time before that hits here. Well, you're too old and you're not, you're not a contributing member anymore to the collective. We go ahead and just put you over here in a little camp and just let you die. Oh, well, that would never happened, Caleb. Really? It's happened once already. We watched it happen. We've seen it happen in the early 1930s and 40s. where a man, We just talked about Hitler. Took people and experiment. These people, these, this group of people is not viable. They're not really a good group of people. Why? Because he didn't value life at the beginning. You're not going to value life that you don't consider valuable. If you're in charge and you don't consider certain people valuable, you get rid of them. Why? Because you don't have a biblical mindset. Those that have an anti-Bible mindset, they're going to kill anybody that they don't deem profitable to them. I've seen environmental activists at logging sites crying, screaming, and mourning over trees that have been cut down. Okay, well, that's not true. You, you, No. No, I have seen these people who lay out over a cut down tree and mourn it as if it was their own Flesh and blood. I've seen animal rights activists go into stores that offer beef or some type of meat, and they go in and absolutely destroy the store, turn it up on its end, splatter fake blood all throughout the room, and and protest that they're murdering cows. Really? God, God, if you read this, read Genesis. He gave you dominion over the fish of the sea, the land, the animals of the land. You want, a ham- you want a cheeseburger? Go enjoy a cheeseburger. God says you can. It's totally fine. But the majority of Americans are silent on the over 63 million abortions that have occurred in the U.S. since Roe v. Wade in 1973. And if you could see what I'm trying to do here. Many people in America have the same kind of mindset as Jonah. We mourn things that are not really needed to be mourned over. But we, we do nothing when human beings are actually being affected. We, we, don't, we don't race to try to rescue. We ignore Bonhoeffer was quoted the churches in Germany as the trains went by their churches on the way to the the death camps you know what churches did on Sunday mornings they played the piano louder and sang louder in hopes to drown out the trains that were going by them with human beings that were made in the image of God we're no different in 2023 we ignore in hopes that's not it's not my not my deal not my deal not my problem, verse eleven jonah said I'm sorry, God says to Jonah, and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also they have much cattle? So in other words, Jonah you mourn a plant that I planted, and you mourn a plant that I decided to, to cut down, but you cheer on and hope for the death of more than 120,000 people. Really, Jonah? And this is where Jonah ends. Like, there's no part where we see Jonah go, you know what, God, you're right. But I think there's a reason God leaves it at this point. Man, it's, you got to think. You're going to get upset over certain things in your life. You're going to be just enraged over certain things that happen in your life. Like I said, there are genuine things to be angry over. Now, I don't want to minimize it. Listen, Nineveh very well could have done some bad things. But man, God has come to seek and save. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which are lost. And just because somebody doesn't sin like you sin, doesn't mean we hope that they'd get destroyed. Romans chapter 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means all. The people of Cedarvale, the people of Nineveh, the people of Sedan, Wichita, Bartlesville, you name it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, We don't know where and what Jonah does with this information that God gives him, but I can tell you this, I can tell you this, it caused me to really think about my fellow human beings. As a Christian, I should long for and hope for God's merciful hand to fall on my fellow human beings rather than a vengeful hand of God's wrath. Listen, there's no part of me that thinks, man, there's certain people I'd love to see in hell. My worst enemy I do not want to see in the pits of hell because that is eternal. That is final. That is done. I don't care how bad, how horrible they've sinned against me. What I did to Jesus Christ on the cross is far worse. And Jesus forgave me. If Jesus is willing to forgive me, I should be willing to forgive others. Amen? Amen? Amen. How can I do that? How can I as a Christian hope that? Just like Jonah did, warn people about the the wrath that is to come. If you're outside of Christ, listen, you will be destroyed. If you've not repented of your sins and submitted your life to Christ, God will exact justice on you, and I'm pleading with you as your pastor as the preacher of the day, repent of your sins and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm pointing you towards the grace and the mercy and the goodness of the Lord Jesus. Oh, that this would be the people of the First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas, that we would go to our neighbors and say, listen, don't, don't go this way. You're you're living a life that is going to get you in a position where God is going to You're going to pay for those sins. And it's needless. You don't have to pay for those sins. Jesus already did on the cross. Jesus paid the penalty in full. That's the reason as He hung on the cross, He said, Tetelestai. It's paid in full. The debt is paid. It's done. It's over with. Now just accept it. Just accept come in and repent of your sins and trust the finished work of Calvary's cross. Finish the work of Christ on Calvary's cross. Amen? That's the hope that we have here as believers. That we trust Jesus. That we trust His work today. Amen?